welcome to the welcome to the uh, episode wrap for <laughs> Long After Dark um, with my co-host and friend in California, John Paulson. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And there or, is a reason like, we're laughing, and you might find out at the end. <laughs> but we got a record to talk about. Long After Dark. So let's do some vital stats on this one. So it's the last album on the Backstreet imprint before the move to Back to the Parent MCA. Recorded at four studios, the record plant, famous record plant in Hollywood, Wally Hyder's in Hollywood, Crystal in Hollywood, and Rumbo in Los Angeles, elsewhere, not Hollywood, obviously. Again, produced by Jimmy Ivey and Tom Petty, engineered again by Shelley Ackes and Don Smith, was released on November 2nd, 1982, and peaked at number nine on the Billboard chart. Um, artwork by Tommy Steele from Steelworks, and I love the artwork of this one, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. Like, the inner sleeve is just as good as the, as the outer. Um, and then additional additional musicians on the album were Phil Jones on percussion again and Ron Blair, who comes back to play bass on Between Two Worlds. Um, there were three singles from the album. You Got Lucky, Change of Heart, Worldwide, and then Straight Into Darkness, which was released only in Europe. Um, so yeah, those are vital stats. I'd made one, just a real quick comment, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So that I, When I was kind of looking at the album as a whole, it's really sneakily strong. You know, when you actually go song by song, and it doesn't have the same number of hits that Damn the Torpedoes Hard Promises has, but it's almost more consistent in a way where there's not as much difference between the, the peaks and the troughs, right? So I had four sevens, three eights, or nine, and a ten. I know that I usually rate higher than you, and a six. So again, it's 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 never overly average to my ear, but it doesn't shoot the lights out very often either. So it's, it is. It's one of those that you can sort of miss sometimes. So what were your thoughts when you went back and listened to it again? Uh, yeah, so this is, again, a wonderful part of this byproduct of doing this podcast with you is that I'm going back and listening to these albums that I probably wouldn't listen to 10 or 10, 10 or 15 times in a row, uh, <laughs> if not to do research and to really get a firm grasp on some of these album tracks that I haven't heard uh, a whole lot. And this is certainly an album that, you know, I knew casually, uh, you know, you got lucky, you know, from Radio Airplay and from MTV uh, airplay I sort of discovered a change of heart and straight into darkness later on as those were fan favorites and chart yeah. hits which we'll get into um, but then some of these album tracks you know I maybe have heard it once or twice uh, you know when I went back initially and listened to all of his you know all their albums the Heartbreakers albums uh, throughout the whole discography and you know you listen to Long After Dark a couple times okay now you're moving on to the next album to try to catch up uh, but really going through and listening to it over and over and over again, uh, there were definitely some songs that stood out as surprises. And as I we get into the producer of a day, because we do have a fun one this week with three uh, extra stray tracks that were all quite good and trying to incorporate those into the album um, really illuminated how difficult it is to maybe cut a song or two. Uh, and we can get into what I, you know, where I'm at with that. I'm not completely buttoned down my uh, producer for a day set list, but our playlist, but I do have a really good side A. Um, but as you to underline your point, it's a really strong album. Like even some of these album tracks, I don't think they're, you know, filler or skippable. I think I, if I turned down this album, I would just listen to it front to back and, and probably wouldn't skip any of the tracks because they're all pretty solid. Absolutely. And so... Right, right out the gate, and he talks about One Story Town. Comes out the gate, all guns blazing, right? Like, it's a nice, upbeat, up-tempo opener, and it's got a great duality of meaning in that title line, One Story Town. So straight away, we're getting a real Tom Petty song. 
Yeah, and I think this one uh, was primarily written by by Tom. Uh, I don't think Mike Campbell has a co-credit on that one, uh, but it is an upbeat uh, one. The I really like the chorus, uh, and then I think the my only problem with it is that the uh, verses, uh, the vocalization that Tom's using, it sounds like he's trying to like do his Dylan uh, impression. So right. I'm not I'm not like like Dylan's fine. Like he's a very <laughs> good songwriter and everything. I don't like listening to him sing over you know very much. Yeah. Um, outside of some of his best songs. So that is the one downer for me on this one is that I think he, he, he sounds, he's, I don't know if he's trying to do it or if this was just like his way he wanted to express this particular song, but uh, not my favorite vocalization from Tom on the verses. Uh, good, really good chorus though. I mean, it is a rocker. I like the noodling uh, that Mike adds um, during the chorus. Yeah. And uh, this was one that got some radio airplay apparently. Yeah, I think with his voice, it's that thing of when you're singing from a position of a character rather than yourself, which Tom, you know, did in, in different ways. And he definitely used that voice, you know, on several tracks. Almost on Refugees, it's not it's not quite the same, but it's that really pinched, you know, tightened up delivery where he's, you know, his throat's almost he's choking that his throat up. So I totally understand that. Yeah, and if that's not your bag, then of course that's gonna that's gonna change a little bit, but but I don't mind. I think it works for the song, but yeah. Yeah, I would. I'll, I'll for the producer of a day segment. I'll be picking a different album opener, which I think you'll find mm. it interesting. But uh, it, it's a good one for what they were trying to do. I mean, you look at this album; it's Jimmy Iovine's third with the band. So, and they think I think the relationship was getting a little bit stale as I as I read up on the on the on the record and how everybody feels about the record all these years later. Um, but what they, what I think J Jimmy Iovine was trying to do was make a, a rock record, an '80s rock record, and and maybe Tom had some different ideas, which we'll get into. Yeah, for sure. And, and talking about different ideas, straight onto track two, you got lucky, and of course you can't talk about that song without maybe even first talking about that video, because it just changed everything, right? I mean, you've got a minute before the song even comes in, so that was pure gold for the mtv generation when it was i think it was two years later or whatever when they, they actually really sort of blew up but they've got this video there now that tells this story and it's narrative and it's not it's not a band on stage just playing with their with the wind blowing and, and girls dancing so and then you get into the song you know as tom said to paul zolo and he says you know what that song is it's a perfect little single when i hear it on the radio i think wow we really just filled every little space in the right way yeah, he said it was a really good pop record but we rarely play it anymore so they they didn't play it a whole lot and in concert i'm trying to remember if i heard it live i mean i've seen him 10 times at least yeah. and i'm not sure that i remember him playing it live um you mentioned the video D definitely like artistic uh something new i think tom was very proud of the fact that they had this whole like mini film prior to the song even starting yeah uh, he did mention that they had recorded videos but they weren't really called videos they were little films for different uh, songs that they've recorded prior to this and then this sort of blew up on mtv and a lot of that a lot of those older songs i think got some airplay uh and made him more of a household name and really uh he he mentioned that with you got lucky that he would start to get recognized on the street uh like the the mtv was just getting huge and he was yeah. becoming a lot more famous because of it um it's the 18th most streamed song uh slightly ahead of listen to her heart and the 10th highest uh, charting single peaking at 20. I just wanted to mention uh, wow. those two those two facts. Um, definitely like one of these uh, 
uh, early hits of his that definitely belongs on the greatest hits and in the pantheon of, of Tom Petty. Yeah, I'm surprised it's 18th in streams. I don't know why, but that just surprises me a little bit. Because it's a great song, but it's so unusual. It's not. It's so unpetty and in a lot of ways, right? Sonically, it just doesn't sound like anything they've even come close to recording before. The, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that's so high. I was just looking up at the, uh, the live performances and... They did play. It looks like they played it on the on the anniversary tour, the fortieth anniversary tour. Oh, um, and then they played it a bunch in ninety nine, but not much after ninety two. So it was, yeah, after ninety two, it was that uh, thirty seven plays in ninety nine and thirty five in two thousand seventeen. I'll have to so. check that uh, set list that uh, the, my son got from the anniversary tour. One of the roadies gave him a set list uh, to, to see if he played it that night because I don't remember it, but maybe maybe they did. Yeah. Okay, Deliver Me, track three, midpoint on side one. I would say it's a solid track. Uh, I like the guitar and the intro. Um, you know, I listened to it again this morning, and I wrote uh, Paint by Numbers Petty. So I, that, that's not a bad thing. That's him yeah. kind of dipping into his knowledge and his bag. Uh, I don't think it's anything crazy special, but it's a solid album track. I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't skip it. Uh, I think it would make my um, alternate playlist if I uh, was producer for a day. And yeah, so it's funny because when I did my episode on this, when I actually wrote, it definitely follows a trusted template. And because of that, I think it can be slightly overlooked, right? But but it's catchy. It's one of those earworms that it kind of sits and that chorus is really hummable and, you know, so I don't mind it. But I would agree, like it's, it's an album track. It's definitely, you would never release that as a single um and yeah we'll have to see when we get to the producer for a day because we've got time constraints on that vinyl we're going on vinyl so okay second or second single from the album or was it the first change of heart second single right or third if you, if you count straight into darkness in europe i think i think it was the third oh wow yeah i think it's uh from my list here you got lucky and then change of heart came yeah. after so in the u.s it would have been the second so yeah and i'd written down just just the riff it's a great little oh. riff um and Tom, you know, talks about he wasn't sold on that one and didn't love it and said it wasn't one of his best songs. But I think it's one of those ones that the strength of it is in, is in its simplicity. So, you know, just let the riff drive the melody. That rhythm section just keeps everything high tempo and danceable. And then the lyrics tell that story of sort of disenfranchisement and loneliness, right? So I think it's, I think it's one of those that is better than maybe he was too close to it and just couldn't appreciate it as much as the rest of us do. Yeah, I think this is one that, was under the radar for me. Uh, I didn't hear a whole lot on the radio, although it did well. Yeah. Um, but it was sort of one I've heard after I became a big fan of his. So it was, and to me, it sounded like ELO. And it, and then it was interesting to see him admit that, or like just yeah. say that, say it outright that I was trying to do Jeff Lynn because those crunchy guitars are so distinctly ELO. But he he makes it his own with you know the Heartbreakers makes makes it their own with the way they play and his vocals. Yeah. Um, you could argue, and I think you mentioned this on your, I listened to a few of the episodes for this, from this season, but I didn't want to listen to all of them because I like to hear your thoughts, yep. uh, organically on some of these, uh, album tracks, but, uh, you know, arguably should have been on the, maybe the top song that should have been on the greatest hits that was left off. Yeah. Um, Jam and me, uh, peaked at 18 change of heart picked, peaked at 21, uh, and there's a few others which we'll talk about in future episodes, but yeah. as to what should have made it and what didn't. And there was room on the CD that he could have added or they could have added some of these tracks. And this is definitely one that 
catchy enough, did well enough on the charts that you could make a strong case for it. It's a, it's a really good track. Yeah, it's a good song. Like I said, it's, it's, I don't know, it's one of those songs that, no, I don't think it's not. I was gonna say I forget about it sometimes, but that's not quite true because it's on all my playlists. I have it on everything, but again, it's one that I when it comes on, I'm like I, can't, I always forget how much I like this song, and I do. I really, really like this song, and I, I give it an eight out of ten. Um, again, it's not. He's not blowing the doors off creatively with this one. He's not sort of. It's not one of Tom's songs that's, that's going in a completely different direction, but it does everything that the Heartbreakers do everything the heartbreakers does well like every part of it's really really good and like you said yeah it's borrowing a little bit of that sort of the riff from yellow and it's taking little little bits and pieces and again there's birds influences that filter through now once i started listening to the birds you hear a lot more of it in tom's music but it's always got that heartbreaker spin so yeah I, I think it's a super super solid track and i would say it's one that you know tom wanted to explore just reading between the lines and doing the research for this podcast regarding this album reading between the lines, Tom wanted to explore maybe different sounds, different styles yeah. more than what Jimmy wanted. But this, this was one where Jimmy's like, okay, this is a good rock song. Uh, so we can yeah. include it, but it's, it does, it's not a traditional heartbreakers song. So um, I think that's probably the, the background to it in terms of what got it on the album, but you can hear it along with the B sides or the the left after leftover yeah. tracks that Tom was trying to do some different things and didn't want to make another hard promises and I think that's what Jimmy wanted to do yeah for sure and it I still think though that it is different enough like again like you know you read through and before I started doing the songs on this album read, read through that background and look at those comments that Tom makes and he and he makes it several times talking about each individual song with Paul Zolo but again I think there is a ton of growth on this there is stuff on here that is very very different there's even like a i can't remember which song it is but i think is it maybe between two worlds or same old you maybe where mike does this big epic hair metal pick slide into his solo or out of his solo and he never uses that he, he, and i can't think so there's little elements coming into this this record that are they're definitely not it's not carbon copy of uh hard promises in any way to my ear i think talent wise this is the band hitting and still at its peak yeah, not that they don't peak for, again later, but um, th this is a really strong band at this point. Very strong, for sure. Okay, the closer on side one is the song that I rated lowest when I went through finding out, but it does have a brilliant little. It's one of those very very clever Tom Petty lyrical twists. So in the first verse, he sings, "I must be looking over something," rather than overlooking something and it's just that little bit of wordplay that just changes sort of the meaning of that line even though he's actually singing it the other way so he's got that again that duality of meaning and just always one of those people who's just very careful and when those opportunities arise lyrically he would always take them right and always but wouldn't overdo them so that's interesting that this is one of your or this is the one you lowest rated the lowest yeah um i didn't i would i would still include it on my um alternate playlist but it, it's definitely not like the strong, you know, up there with the strongest tracks. Uh, I, it's another rocker. Uh, I do like the call, uh, the call and response uh, between Tom and the rest of the band, whoever's doing backup vocals there. I think yeah. it's kind of a banger. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a full banger, yeah. but it's a solid al album track. I wouldn't, I wouldn't skip this one if it came on. And you can see, you know, we're talking about if, if Jimmy wants to create, do another rock album, you can see definitely why that gets included, right? Because it fits that that template very, very well. 
Yeah, I think there's a few of these. And uh, you maybe deliver me uh, so far, one story town finding out that got picked over some because they're kind of rockers. Yeah. And they got picked over some of these other tracks uh, for that reason, just primarily for that reason, because I, I would say objectively uh, two or three of the songs that were left off were, are better. Um, but that's also you hear, you almost hear like wildflowers era, uh, full moon fever era, petty coming out in those B sides. And we'll talk about that, but yeah. um, I, I could see Jimmy just like, like forcing these tracks in, you know, finding out deliver me um, and one story town specifically, but they all have some good aspects to them that make them very listenable. Absolutely. Well, that's, you know, we, we talk about this lots of as fans of Tom Petty, even an average Tom Petty or a slightly below average Tom Petty song. is still pretty freaking good. Usually there's no real absolute stinkers in the catalog, which makes sort of, you know, doing what I'm doing, going through is, Oh man, I'm right. I can't find a four. I think I found. I think I rated one four, maybe, but that might be the lowest I ever go because there's nothing that's there's nothing that sucks. You know, there's just some stuff that's maybe a little bit. If I don't like the arrangement or it feels a little bit unfinished or whatever, you know, but it's never it's never bad. Yeah, I think they were they strive uh, strive to have quality. Every put everything they put out be quality, yeah. and sometimes they if they did miss the mark, it was still pretty good. Well, Tom even said that, right? I think that's important yeah. book as well. He says, like, we went in with the with the attitude that every song we write, we try to make it better than the last one. And that's not always going to be the case. But if you go in with that intention, then you should at least have some sort of automatic quality control there that you're not going to just, ah, yeah, screw, that'll do. I mean, that'll do. That's good enough. I don't think that ever came out of Tom's mouth. You know? So we stand a chance, uh, right, is next. So um, this is another one that got some air, uh, radio airplay. It peaked at 37 on the rock chart, according to Music VF. Um, and it was interesting to, to read, uh, I think in the book that, uh, the people around the band or Jimmy or some people in the band thought that this was going to be the one that fans gravitated to. Right. And instead, instead it was, it was, you got lucky. And this is one where it's one of a, a couple that I might leave off. So I'm trying to decide because, but the fact that they thought it was that good, yeah, make, gives me pause, and I'm keep listening to it, trying to hear what they heard uh, in terms of it. Oh, we're going to release this as a single, and it's going to be a big hit. Um, I don't see it that way. I think it's all right. I think it's solid. Um, I think it's a, there's a, there's parts of it maybe are just the repetitiveness of a, in the second half of the song where he keeps they keep saying we have it we we stand a chance we stand a chance yeah. over and over again. It just gets a little bit grating for me. Um, so this is one that I'm kind of thinking about leaving off if I have to deal with the LP vinyl uh, time constraints <laughs> of uh, 19 uh, or 1982. That's interesting, yeah, because it, it's one of those that I just the opening, like that opening four bars, whatever is that, with the big piano hits and that, and the like. It just again doesn't sound like anything else. The guitar tone's great, and it's it's as a sort of opener for side two of an album when you flip the record and you put this on. It's sort of in that same space for me as Need to Know. Where, to me, it comes out really fresh and really, really cool. So, yeah, that's interesting that it's one of the ones that you're you're kind of wavering on. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think, it's, I think it's a good song. Yeah, I mean, I think the band agreed with you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was inter- I'd be interested to hear those conversations as to yeah. what, like, who was really pro this song and who thought that this was really going to take off. Uh, but they didn't end up releasing it as a proper single, as far as I know. So... Um, at some point, that must have died. That, that all, the whole idea must have died. 
Well, that comes down to that's you know after, at that point that's out of the band's control really because that now is to what a DJ's playing, what are people requesting, all those kinds of things. And of course, you got lucky again. It's so different that it's it. If you're not a Tom Petty fan, I think maybe you would like you got lucky. You got lucky more than you would like. We stand a chance because it's again, it's just a bit different. It's got a bit more of an eighties vibe to it with the synth, you know. So I, I, I t- understand that. But yeah, I'd be kind of curious to. F- to hear who makes those decisions because the band definitely would have a say but not the final say right because it is the company that, that decides it's their money that they're putting these singles out it is really the company that decides that so well yeah but and then the interesting thing is that it didn't get released as a proper single but it did it did appear on the rock chart so djs must have been playing it yeah um somewhere uh, at least to get it charting uh but they just still didn't decide to like try to release it as a proper single give it kind of the publicity they need to get to to take off yeah all right so next track on the album is i think the strongest on the album straight into darkness it's up there it's really it, i mean when bruce springsteen pulls you aside and tells you how good of a song it was yeah that's a pretty good song uh it has more streams than uh change of heart which is interesting given that change of heart was a uh, bigger hit yeah uh but you know, straight into darkness, not really pushed as a single. You said there was maybe a, a, a European release yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I love this song. Um, I think it's one of the strongest, if not the strongest, on the album. And uh, it was one that I got into later. Uh, it, it would be played sometimes live, uh, yeah. fan favorite. Um, it, you know, kind of reminds me, its trajectory kind of reminds me of Insider, uh, where it's, you know, a, a not a total uh you know banger or anything like that kind of a more pensive song yeah uh i think tom would call it ballad i don't think this really qualifies as a ballad but you know not a not like your typical radio friendly hit yeah uh, but it becomes a fan favorite and uh, ends up on some of these other anthologies and things because i think that the band really liked the song um and justifiably i mean it's really a well-crafted you know tom petty at his peak songwriting type type song absolutely and that lyric that last verse is just i don't believe the good times are over i don't believe the thrill is gone real love is a man's salvation the weak ones fall the strong carry on it's just one of those epic brilliant and i'm sure it it feels like that feels like a one shot to me that feels like something that he probably that that came quite easily and quite quickly because it's got that natural organic feel to it where it doesn't look like it's sort of contrived or put together so to be able to again just the guy to write something like that is just phenomenal and mike's guitar i love in this song too that little the little lick straight into darkness where it changes to the major key is super super cool um i don't know if you did you read megan volpert's book yet did you pick I up haven't yet. definitely do it you'll enjoy it like it's i mean talk about doing a deep dive on on something writing a full book basically on one song is pretty you know and there's some essays in there and some other stuff in there as well but it's and she digs into the lyrics hardcore and gets into the philosophy of them which is which is super cool and one of the other things reading Paul's book that I found really interesting, just on a sort of a musician standpoint, is Tom says you couldn't really get everyone grooving the same way until we went over to the piano. And then as soon as you start the song on the piano, that's where everyone instinctually instinctually found what to play. So again, it shows that even the even the best can sort of struggle with the best way to play a song. And I think that's, you know, we, what was the song off um, the outtake that ended up on Down the Torpedoes or on the, the, the extended Surrender. version? Surrender. Yeah, surrender. It's one of those same thing, right? So we've got this song. We know it works. We know the bones are there. We just can't find the right skin and clothes to put over top of it, right? So, 
Straight Into Darkness is the type of song that he has a lot in his catalog where it wasn't a hit. Like, so he yep. has his like layer of hits that were super popular that casual Tom Petty fans know, but there's this whole other subsection of songs that are just fantastic songs that would, if, if you, if you just took away all of his hits and you had these 20 or 30 songs yeah. like Straight Into Darkness, like Insider, and there's more, um, a Surrender is another. So if you just looked at that, that would be like a, a major career for any other yes. artist. Just just that selection of 20 or 30, like the greatest hits of any other artist. So that's what makes Tom's music so amazing and his discography so amazing is that it's just levels and levels and levels of these wonderful songs. Yeah. And that even as a casual fan, you start to dig into them, all of a sudden you have 20 or 30 more favorites that you didn't even know about uh, before. Yeah. Well, your Tom Petty playlist only ever grows, right? You only ever add yeah. to that. You never subtract. It's just it's one of those things. Sure. That, and this is one that, yes. Again, obviously, I'd heard this a couple of times and sort of, you know, playing Long After Dark because I like the album and it becomes part of the album. So you don't always necessarily listen to each individual song very, very closely. But just sitting down and listening to this over and over and over again, it's like, this is just, it is, this is like one of his top shelf songs, in my opinion. Like, it's just, it's so perfect. And everybody's no fat on it. Every note's exactly where it needs to be. It's got a really cool message. Like I said, the lyrics are fantastic. Um, and then again, that duality of it can be about a relationship, but it can also be about where they were as a band. You know, Tom's talking about it. We've got this creative sort of separation between us and the producer. There's some stuff going on. You know, Stan's getting a little bit edgier and there's there's lots of stuff, those internal dynamics going on. Well, how do we how do we manage that and straight into the darkness as well? It's the unknown. We don't know what's out there. So Yeah, and you could it's it's it the title is a little bit like, oh, this is going to be kind of a downer song. Yeah. But you mentioned the optimism. And I just wanted to highlight that because there are, uh, I think all the B-sides, uh, unreleased tracks were pretty optimistic. And I think the fact that they were not included made this maybe album more of a downer or a little bit darker than what Tom was feeling at the time or what yeah. he wanted it to be. When he said too, there was, I can't remember which song it was on in, in Paul's book, but he, he says like he never, he would never write when he was when he was depressed or when he was unhappy. He only ever wrote when it, music when he was happy because he said it just doesn't work for me. I can't I can't write when I'm unhappy, and so even you know and like he said you got straight into darkness. But the next line is out over the line. So you're talking about going into darkness and uncertainty, but you're talking about coming through it. So if you take that title in isolation, yeah, it can be a downer, but in the context of the the whole lyric, less so I think so. Um. Same old you. I think you'd flag this one up when you were when we were messaging back and forth. I love this song. Yeah, love it. Now, my relationship to it is extremely interesting because I really don't know that how much I've heard it prior to this experience. And then I noticed that I noticed Mike's guitar lip, a riff at, at the start of it, which I loved. Yeah. And then I noticed that it was one of four songs from the album that made the playback box set. So that gets me wondering about yeah. the story of the song or how did it make the box set? Um, why did it make the box set? So I listened yeah. to it over and over again. I'm like, this is a rocker. Like this is a, um, to me, this is the album opener. So like, I think you start with this and you you don't really, you're not making a 1982, you know, Jimmy Iovine rock record. It's got a little bit of the bluesy, uh, roots that uh, roots rock that Tom yeah. and, and Mike like to play so much and have played so much. Um, and I think you, I think this track, if it opened the album would be able to send this 
album into multiple different directions. Uh, and you'll see with my side A that um, I think it really works well with the, the the tracks that come after it. Okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, to say it's a bit bluesy, this is just straight. It's Rolling Stones, man. That's It's Keith and Mick, right? It's got that strut to it. It's got that swagger. And again, it's a weird one too, because as I was listening through and I sat down at the keyboard to figure out what key it's in and, and some of the chord changes, and it's in C. And guitarists don't write blues licks in C. They write them in A or E or G because those are the ones on the guitar where your fingering is the easiest and it's easiest to get around and the scales are more natural. To write in C, again, you know, it's it's just, that's Mike Campbell. I've got it in C. We'll just play it in C, you know. Or maybe, you know. Yeah, it's just one of these unknown, I guess, Mike Campbell riffs. Yeah. Like the public, general public doesn't know about this riff, but I think it's, I think it's just wonderful. I, I listened to it like 10 times in a row at one point. I was like, this yeah. is a really, and it's a cracking song too. Like the way it's just a rocker. Now I think Tom maybe says it's not, it wasn't too serious and everything, yeah. uh, which is fine. Uh, I don't think you necessarily, every song doesn't have to be like, you know, something super serious, but uh, I don't know if he took it as seriously as uh, maybe it deserved to be, but it did end up on the box set. So I'm interested if that was Mike saying, no, I really like this. This is one of my favorites that I've written and, and maybe Mike pushed for it to be on there. I'd love to know the story behind that. Yeah, and like I said, it, it, the nice thing about that is because it is a, you use the word throwaway. It's not, it's not a, it's not a serious song. It's just a, it's a, it's a blues jam. It's a rock and roll blues jam. But when you put it after straight into darkness and you do lift a bit of that tension, it's a good sort of release of some of that, right? And I, but I don't dislike the idea of opening the album with it either. That's when we get into that. That's I, I'm very easily persuaded on that one. I think. Okay, so another Mike Campbell song comes after it between two wills. A lot more guitar in this one as well. Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering uh, as I looked at the credits if um, if Tom didn't want Mike, you know, Mike to open. But I don't think he has a problem with Mike's, you know, being co-written and, and opening albums with mm. his songs as well because it, it does seem like a few of them were kind of on the second side but i think between two worlds is another one that really surprised me as i listened to it i uh, love the the piano guitar opening yeah uh, stan's drums are really good on this um again it was not one that was uh, listed as a single on music vf but it did peak at 35 on the rock chart so it must have gotten some airplay uh as well so uh but this is a this is kind of a, this one is maybe a little bit darker. Yeah. Uh, it feels kind of menacing, uh, but I, but I really, I, I really dig it. One is, it's got a really sleazy sort of lazy tempo to it, right? You could definitely play that song 10 BPM faster and it would still, it would cook even more maybe. But when you, when you slow it down, it gives it a bit more, it's just groove, you know, a bit more yeah. groove. And Mike's yeah. solo is the tone in his solo is just so sexy. Like, it's incredible. It's, and it's got that, you know, you can tell he's playing that. When you actually listen to it, you can tell that's not going through an effects unit into to get that reverb and to get, you know, the the tone. That's a, an amp placed 15 feet away from the from everything else and a mic, you know, like mic'd quite far away to get that natural room reverb. And it's just, man, it's so... It's the best part of the song for me. And it's a great song all the, all the way through. Great bridge. You know, that bridge takes it in a different direction. When that solo kicks in, it's like, oh, here we go. This is what I'm talking about. And it's long too, right? That bridge is really good. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. That key changes. And it goes, yeah. again, unheartbreaker-ish chords, right? You go, that's, mm, that's a weird change. I've not heard him go to the minor third instead of the minor sixth there, which is what you're expecting. And it changed, you know, it's, no, it's super, super cool. Man, the things you the things you hear in these songs, minor yeah. third to minor sixth. 
<laughs> but it's those things of you know, I was try, when I'm kind of picking them apart and listening to them and you, you listen to you know I'm just listening to the guitar and I'll listen through a couple times and just listen to the guitar or just listen to the rhythm guitar and then the lead guitar and then listen to the organ and, then, and you, you do you when you put them all together it's like oh, okay that's kind of cool so Benmont's actually playing a fifth there he's just playing the root note and the fifth and then you get either the third or the minor third being thrown in on the guitar so it kind of, you can make it sound like a minor key without it actually really being in a minor key. So you can get, that's where you get that pensive thing from, right? So that's the, the technical bullshit and things. So, yeah. But it's a lot of fun listening for those things. And they are in every song. There's there's something in more or less every song where you think, that's, yeah, that's quite clever, that. I would say this one, too, Between Worlds, is not something that we've heard from them before. Like that, no. It seems like a like a new style for them. And I think it's it fit within what Jimmy wanted to do, at least enough to get it on the second half of the album yeah but um i think it's a really strong track um i like it a lot yeah and like i said it's what five minutes how long is it because that's one of my notes that i'd made in um producer for a day is five ten it's five ten yeah so you think well if you just sort of trimmed a little bit off the outro there because it's just a fade out you could we could save a little bit of time there and maybe squeak another song on so maybe we'll get into and that that was ron ron blair on on bass Ron Blair on bass coming back. And again, we t- I think we talked on... There was a song where Duck Dunn comes in on Hard Promises. Oh, yeah. Um, that w- I, I kind of said surprised me a little bit because that wasn't a bass line that needed, you know, Duck Dunn's funk coming in. Woman in Love. That's a pretty straight yeah. bass line. Where this one, this one is more funky and it's got a bit more groove to it. So to bring Ron back in for that... Interesting. So I don't know. I kind of wonder partially if this was something that they had kicking around during the Hard Promises sessions, but maybe Tom didn't have lyrics or it wasn't finished or Mike just had the rip. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. I, wonder if it's, I wonder if it's something along those lines where, well, Ron knows this one, knows how to play it. I'm kind of curious to find out if that's the case. For sure. Or if he was just hanging around the studio, which is more likely, right? Hey, Ron, pick up a bass. <laughs> <laughs> so the closer, A Wasted Life. What do you think? Yeah, and you know I like uh, the pensive uh, closer. Now this is a a little bit different than what I'm maybe used to. We didn't get we didn't get a minute like weird sound effect prior, <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's good. Um, it's different. It's different than the rest of the album. Uh, I watched a live performance too, and he he played it. I think at the close of the concert, uh, the show, and and just kind of dedicated to all the fans. I just thought yeah. it was interesting dedicating a wasted life to all the fans. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was funny i don't know uh it's a i would love to hear like a demo of it with just him on the guitar too like i think yeah. uh, some of the stuff sounds a little 80s like early 80s just the but it's also when you listen to it it's you know i think there's organ on it or there's some yep. kind of key on it um that if it's not there then that it would change the song and your the sort of memory of the song but i would also like to just hear tom with a guitar or tom on a piano just playing this as a straight ballad um, or maybe with a little bit of drum or percussion here, here and there. But um, it's, it's a, this is also one that is not, uh, doesn't blow me away. So this is one that I would perhaps cut if I had to. Yeah. Um, but I do like the, I do like the pensive closer, as you know. Well, and I'd, I'd kind of written down about the keyboards in the episode. And again, something that I'd love to ask someone someday if I ever get to speak to Benmont, maybe well, he, he would be able to tell me. It's it's two keyboards. There's two keyboard parts in this, and you've got that big sort of that textural synth in the background. And my guess is that it's Tom playing that prophet synth, 
and putting those pads in the background while Benmont's playing lead, that that little lead line, because there's only one guitar in it until really close to the end. And they did say that it was, this was one that was basically cut live off the floor. So like I said, I think that might be, that might be Tom and Benmont two hand in the keyboards. Benmont could definitely play both parts because it's not a complex part, but the fact that there's only one guitar part makes me think that maybe it was, maybe that's what that was. Interesting. But yeah, it's got that you know, Tropicana kind of, you know, Jimmy Buffett kind of feel to it. I just think it's a cool little. You could sit on the beach and drink beer to that song all day long, right? Yeah, I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool song. I don't know yeah. that I would want it on the, the album that I would want this album to be, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, yeah. if I did, I would like I'd want it in a different format. I think I would love to hear the, you know, home recording like the, they did for Wildflowers, all those yeah. tracks, like the home recording for A Wasted Life. Not that it exists necessarily, but it would be cool to hear just Tom sing it uh, straight. Yeah, no, it's like, what was the No Second Thoughts? Same thing, right? You, you, we'd said like a, the live version would be worth, because I don't think I've listened to the live version of Wasted Life. So again, it might change it up a little bit. And if you just, I don't know, does he play the, does he play both keyboard parts? Is I don't still... see him. I don't, it, as I remember the video, and I might be wrong, but I, I think he's just staying there with his guitar singing. So I think maybe uh, Ben Man's playing both. Okay, so we get to, like you said, we've got some outtakes from this album that are slightly surprising that they didn't either make the album itself or didn't make, you know, there's not even a B-side. None of these are even a B-side to one of the singles, which is really quite surprising. So the first one, which did get released on, was that on playback or was that on the Keeping Me Alive? Was was that just American Treasure? Keeping Me Alive was uh, released on uh, playback. On playback, okay. Because yeah. there were two released on playback and one... Yeah, Keeping Me Alive was released on playback and an American Treasure. Yeah. Uh, Keep a Little Soul uh, was released on American Treasure, not on playback. And then Turning Point was released on playback and not American Treasure. And Turning Point is not available on Spotify. I don't think it's available on the streaming services. So it's the one's a little tougher to find if you don't yeah. have the playback box set. Yeah, so Keep a Little Soul. Great little yeah, song. So, uh, you know, this was released whatever 2018 when when uh, american treasure came out and it just to me sounds so timeless it sounded like it could have been recorded in 2010 or 20 you know if any year 2015 and all of a sudden i looked and i was like it's 1982 like this is <laughs> this is coming out of the long after dark sessions um i think if you look at these three songs as a whole it's it's clear that tom wanted this album to go in a different direction and reading between the lines i think that underlines it but if you add these into this album you have a totally different album yeah uh it's not so much a you know 80 early 80s rock record as it is uh, an exploration and you know into roots rock but then also just the band flexing their muscles in all these different directions yeah but um yeah i think all the we, we i talked about the i wanted to underline your optimism comment about uh, straight into darkness all three of these songs are really optimistic yeah if you look at the lyrics they're all about you know getting through some adversity but coming out the other end um and keep a little soul is just the band i think at some of their best like this is one of those great unreleased tracks that could have been a hit uh yeah and i think it i think it did get some radio airplay um at least on serious uh the spec the spectrum uh channel and, um, right and all that so just a great i mean keep a little souls just a great little like ditty 
and yeah. it's the band just having fun and i think it's a really good tr- good track it's one of my favorites uh certainly one of my favorite uh tracks that got released later that you know were from these earlier sessions yeah, and if you did, you look. Obviously, have you seen the video? Right, they released because Adria Petty put together a video from home footage, and it's we all get caught. What well, I get caught up, especially when I'm doing my podcast, in the mystique and the detail of Tom's music. But sometimes it's good to remember that when you watch him play, he just loved rock and roll, you know, and every part of his being. And the songs a good example of just it's it's simple, you know, in in a lot in, in most ways, it's a fun rock and roll song. But it is it is still it's a rock and roll song in that old tradition. You know, like your yes. your Chet Atkinses and all those kinds of people, where, like you said, and I think that's maybe where because it doesn't have more meat on its bones, maybe that's where Jimmy Iovine says, well, you know, it, does, it doesn't have the same sort of gravitas that some of these other songs. So that's maybe why that gets cut from the album. I don't know, you know. Yeah, I think it's something that they they could have, you know, squeaked by Jimmy in the seventies. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, quote unquote classic rock. I mean, it's now classic rock, but you know, it, Tom Petty coming up in the late seventies, also, you know, the stones, uh, the Beatles had long since uh, broken up, but you're, it's going through a weird time in those early eighties. And I think that there was probably a push and pull with what they thought was commercial yeah, versus what maybe are the best songs. So like they, like Tom referred to keeping me alive and turning point in the, in the book as country songs that's what jimmy called them he didn't view them that way at all yeah but tom does come from florida comes from the south so his roots are going to sound a little bit country even if it's you know just an acoustic rock song or or something along those lines so definitely a push and pull with what was left off and what was released and it could have been a very different album yeah definitely and you know keep a little soul like it's got i really like the vocal performance on this one and it's got those great doubled vocals where Tom's singing his own harmonies, but then when you get into the chorus, that it doesn't matter. Those lines, I'm pretty sure that's how we understand that call and response again. I'm pretty sure that's how we understand because that doesn't sound like Tom's voice at all. So again, you know, you've got these two now. He's got these two guys who can sing harmonies for him and can sort of fill and pad out that sound. But yeah, with the country stuff, you know, that, that comment about th- this country influence, but Keeping Me Alive definitely has that flavor to it. It's got it's it's probably the most southern rock song that he written. Maybe Louisiana Rain you could throw into that category too a little bit, but it's almost reminds me, like the guitar solo especially reminds me of Fogarty. And it's got that CCR vibe to it, you know, which I just, again, and the same breaks and pushes in the chord changes that CCR would use. So, and again, the organ's great on the outro and it's got that rock and roll finish instead of a fade. So that everything about Keeping Me Alive, I just adore. And it is a song that they played live. They did play it live. They did play it live. And, yeah. you know, I think on the, I think on the, the outtake uh, recording, it he, it, I think there's a little piece that might be misremembering, but there's a little piece at the end where he was like happy with the, you know, you could hear Tom like say something nice about the song after the fact, or maybe it was a video that I saw of them in the studio okay. playing it. Um, but uh, you, it's, it's not country, but it does have that flavor. And it's like, there's, I think there's some crossover between Southern rock and country. And Tom yeah. is this, if you think about his whole trajectory of his career, is a weird amalgamation of everything because he's the southern rocker uh mud crutch is very much in that vein went to california fell in love with the state changed the sound a little bit but then was also inspired about the things going around him you know going on around him and inspired by the state of california and the mu- music of california and the birds and all that kind of stuff um and then getting into uh his career where there's 
he's never been about one kind of sound. He just explores all these different things based on whatever song he's trying to write at that particular time. And a lot of it gets released and some of it doesn't, but this uh, keep a little soul and keeping me alive just sounds so good. You crank those up and they just sound so good. Yeah. And I, obviously I wasn't intimate at the time, but so I don't remember playback coming out, which did you, when it comes out, is that sort of, you remember. And so the first yeah. time you hear that, you're like, like you said, like, what the hell? Why was this not on an album? Why was this not released? It's just mind blowing. Oh. Right. There's, and, and there's loads of those songs. Yeah, there's 15 of them. Of those <laughs> songs where you're like, how did this not make an album? And then you're also looking at it, going back and, and thinking about the albums. And you're like, well, I like these three or four songs, but I don't know these other ones. And like, I, I love these. So why? Yeah. I think it's especially prevalent in sessions after this album that there's just a lot of really great tracks that were left off. And this is like, I think really the start of it uh, to me is there's yeah. just three really good ones that should have been included. When you talk about, you know, we said that Petty always was brilliant at bringing his influences into the Heartbreaker sound rather than ever parodying, you know, a different band sound. And Turning Point is, it's very Birds-esque to me. It's got that it's got that same feel. And I was thinking too, you could almost even imagine this one was a Wilbury song. It's got the harmonica in there. If you added some horns in there or something, you had that little Wilbury shuffle to it. It would have fit on volume three pretty well, I think, you know. Yeah, and they've got some harmonica. I don't think yeah. there's any other harmonica on this album. Uh, so you can see how it didn't fit with what they what the yeah. producer was trying to do. Uh, another, it's up, an upbeat acoustic jam. Um, and I think it's really optimistic as well because they're talking about, if you look at the lyrics, he's talking about um, kind of going through a lot of hard times with his, his girlfriend, I think, and yeah. uh, that she stuck by him or that there was ups and downs, but then they were reaching a turning point and to where their you know relationship is going to be better from now on. I think uh, it's the third one of this trio that are all, they're all optimistic in terms of, you know, uh, relationships and how they can kind of progress over time. And the only thing that did, so the only detraction on this one for me and where I when we get into that, this is one that I wouldn't necessarily put on the album um, is just that it doesn't, really go anywhere like it's pretty it's got one speed and it kind of sticks to it and it's a short song it's 255 but it just lacks that little bit of something to just kind of give you a bit of a spark in the middle or a bit of a kick in the middle or something right so that's the only thing that i said the only thing that i would um i would knock about it so i think i think it's a good i think it's a good track i probably would find a way to include it because it, it is different and yeah. i think if with what i did with the front side of my uh custom playlist for this album I would want to continue that, you know, on the second half. And I think that this uh, uh, turning point does uh, okay. do that. Uh, but I do agree that I think keeping it, keep a little soul and keeping me alive are, are superior tracks. Well, we've been through all the songs now, so we, now we can get into our uh, hatchet job on the album and the track list order and all those kinds of things. So I'll let you go first. Hit me with okay. what you hit me with what you got. All right. So we did, you know, I don't think we did this very much for the last album. So I hope all the listeners can bear with us, but. I would like, uh, you know, anybody that's hardcore and wants to listen to this album in maybe a different way, uh, at least put these six songs together uh, on a side A, uh, starting with the same old you. I uh, just, as I mentioned, I think the Mike's uh, riff at the start is just a great way to start this album um, and really kind of just slap the listener aside the head and said, you need to listen to this. <laughs> you need to listen to this side. <laughs> Of the album uh and then i think you got lucky is an interesting transition from that so i like to keep that at two uh and then a change of heart at three so right there you've got three pretty good rockers um and three that could be singles i think uh certainly you got lucky and change of heart could be 
Uh, at four, I would put Keep a Little Soul to try to change things up a little bit, uh, a little more piano there, I think, uh, coming off of Change of Heart. Uh, so I think with those first four tracks, you've got a very a wide variety of, of music. And I think yep. the listener is at this point uh, open-minded. Uh, Keeping Me Alive at five. So now we're just into an acoustic kind of, as you mentioned, country feel to it, but not full country. And then close the first album, uh, first album side with uh, Straight Into Darkness. Uh, so I think those six tracks really strong. Uh, you know, I like to get this, the good stuff up front. But, yeah. Uh, this is one that I think if you listen to the lyrics too, it, it really, um, it could be a little microcosm of a relationship. Like there's different things happening in each of the songs and, but they're all sort of optimistic. Um, and it, it just sort of uh, maybe could be the soundtrack to kind of a troubled, but, you know, inspiring relationship. Deadly. Yeah. It's not dissimilar to what I had. Oh yeah, I kept one story town because again, I I like that sort of the immediacy of how quickly that one gets going and, and moves. You got lucky at two, deliver me at three. I put keep a little soul in at four as well. Um, I put change of heart next because again, I like that. Just keeping the the tone of the songs a little bit separated, and then keeping me alive. Um, and I was I put that instead of finding out. I took finding out off, and I put okay. keeping alive. Um, and then that was side one. All right, so, so that was my side one. I'll go through my side two then. Yeah. So can you go through your side one more time? So I had One Story Town, You Got Lucky, Deliver Me, Keep a Little Soul, Change of Heart, Keeping Me Alive. All right, so you left uh, Deliver Me on side one. All right, so my side two, and I don't, this is not, it can't be finalized because it doesn't fit. I'm a nerd and I need to fit it on an LP. <laughs> uh, constraints. Maybe I, do, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But I thought uh, One Story Town would be a great side two opener. Uh, right into uh, between two worlds, uh, and then finding out, and then uh, turning point. So I thought those four, and then you get into the last three, and I got to probably have to cut one or two of these. But deliver me, I think, probably stays. And then twelve and thirteen, I'm trying to decide if I want to close with we stand a chance or a wasted life. Um, it's tough. Like this, I, I think that speaks to what you started with, which is this is a really consistent album. So it's hard to cut. Like these are, these are tough decisions. Sophie's Sophie's choice type decisions as to what, you know, what we're, what, there's nothing that's clearly needs to go. So yeah. I have to kind of figure out how I want to, would want to, uh, to close this alternate uh, playlist. What about your side too? My side too is as is honestly, like I just, oh, okay. yeah, I left it as is cause I like all the songs, and I, like I said, I didn't put Turning Point in, so I didn't really need to take anything else out. So I only need to t- I took Finding Finding Out out. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I kind of like the way that Side 2 progresses and moves. Um, and like I said, I like that lift after Straight Into Darkness of Same Old You. But I do like Same Old You as tr- in Spot 1 on Side 1. I, now that you said that, I, it's like, yeah, I think you're right on that. I just ask you, and I'll send I'll send you a link to my playlist. But I ask you to listen to that side A and tell me that's not like <laughs> up there. I think that's up there with hard promises and and uh, uh, blanking on a, their biggest album, Damn the Torpedoes. <laughs> uh, I think it's up there with a how that would grab it, grab the listener. Given the addition of Keep a Little Soul and Keeping Me Alive, and then closing with Straight into Darkness, I just think you you got six really so- strong songs in a row there. So yeah. you would you would end up with uh, what is it, eleven tracks on yours? Yeah, because you're I think so. Yeah, one off and adding two. Okay. Yeah, because I tried. To, I was looking if there's any way you could jimmy it, but it's 20, 23 minutes is your hard limit with vinyl. Yeah. I was like, oh man, and it's and it's literally it's literally like twenty five seconds. You're over. But yeah, yeah, I think you could. We could probably fudge that 
uh, we were talking <laughs> about the outro on uh, Between Two Worlds. Like, I think there's ways to get these songs, whatever you wanted, to get it on there if you if you were willing For to sure. play with the, the song length a little bit. But um, yeah, I like all in all, I really like this album more than I thought I would. Uh, you mentioned the artwork; I think it's really cool. Um, it does look a little like the graphics on it. Uh, the, the album, like logo, the the name yeah. of the band, looks a little dated, but I think it's of its time and from that respect. Uh, and, but I think it's a solid addition to his discography. And he did say that, you know, this is a treading water album and I think he wanted to do more with it. So I think the fact that we're kind of playing with the, the track list a little bit says there's some things that could have been improved and certainly leaving those really strong tracks off makes that easy to, to make that judgment on it. And it's funny because you say about the logo, it's one of the things that I like, and it's funny because that stuff's come back in now. That eighties, yeah. that eighties neon vibe is really back in fashion now. And so when you look at it now, it's like, oh, that's actually pretty damn cool. This could be a twenty twenty two album. <laughs> it could cover. be. It absolutely could. It could be Arcade Fire's new album cover, right? So. Yeah, it could. <laughs> um, so just to finish up though with your side two, so you got one story town between two worlds, finding out, turning point, deliver me. So did you for end sure. up? So and those are your I, five I, for sure. Those are my, I think those are my five for sure. And I'm okay. trying to decide if I want, I think I would rather finish with Wasted Life, but I think I would dip, want a different recording of it. I don't know. Like, I don't, the, I think you called it Calypso. I don't know if I like that on that. It's on got that kind of feel to it. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that beach bum thing. <laughs> and then I think, I think We Stand a Chance is a little too, um, as I mentioned, uh, repetitive in the second half of that, where he's just saying it over and over again. I don't know if I want to close the album that way either. So I, I have some decisions to make. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, dude. So you've got, I don't know time-wise, because Between Two Worlds, like we said, it is long, but you've also got Turning Point on there now, which shortens that up. So that actually might, if you're not putting on We Stand a Chance, you might be able to get away with one of those others. You might be able to get... Might be able to get 12, right? Yeah, I think you think you might. I'll have to do the math once we're done, but I'll take a look. <laughs> the uh, My issue with We Stand a Chance, is, and the reason it's a tough cut, is that the band, or at least Tom said that, the band or the producers thought that that was going to be a hit. So I'm just trying to hear what they heard in it. Yeah. I think it's probably my least favorite song in the album. Yeah. That's funny. Hey, where we with those points of difference. Yeah. You no, know, cause we're both big fans and we both got, you know, more or less fairly similar taste in music. So the fact that I really, I know it's, it's funny because when I was writing my notes for this app, I was thinking, oh man, I gave We Stand a Chance well, a seven. I think it might be an eight, but I was like, no, I should not, it's it not a seven. Bad, though. Yeah. Like, no, it's, no, it's I don't not think bad. It's bad. You know, I don't think it's bad. I think it's just uh, there's just parts of it where I'm like, eh, right. Let's let's move this along. Or it's yeah. just you know, I don't know. It's just not one of his, not the one of his best of this era. And that's that's my issue with it. I think yeah. I don't know. See, and I would on that side too. I would even just if you put in, we stand a chance for turning point and finish with deliver me. That would work for me, but again, this that's not my playlist. So <laughs> yeah, turning point. Um, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's better than what you're giving credit for. But <laughs> that's just uh, maybe a difference of, a, of opinion. But I also really gravitate to this type of work for him. Like, yeah, I, you know, wild, you love wildflowers too, but of course, like this was him like dipping his toes into his roots, I think. And this is like, oh, I want to make, and they did, he, he did go and try to make a uh, concept album about the yeah. South after this. It didn't come together maybe exactly the way you wanted it to we'll talk about that but like he was you could see him trying to head this direction which is a good direction sure. is, is a really good direction for him um, for sure so P 
Perfect. Okay, well, I think we've done a good job there. So now the last thing we've got to do is our EP. Yes. And so my, I'm going to go first, and this one's tough because the way I've approached this one is I've definitely not gone for what I think are the three best songs. I've gone for, I'm trying to think about an encapsulation of the sound of this album and three songs that I just, that are my, kind of my favorite songs off the album. And so Straight Into Darkness, without question, is on there. Um, Change of Heart, because to me, it's kind of like Listen to a Heart. It's a perfect pop song. It's, it's short, it's punchy, it's to the point you can hum it, you remember it. And then Same Old You. I'm going to finish it with Same Old You, because it's, okay. that song is just so much fun. I was yeah. trying to think of how I was gonna, what I was going to cut to keep Same Old You on there. <laughs> um, so you didn't include You Got Lucky. Yeah. All right, so I got to go ahead and do that. And now, where do these B-sides or unreleased tracks fall? Are they Do they qualify? They're fair game, absolutely. They're fair game. Oh, well, then we have to include Keep a Little Soul. Um, and let's just make it a let's just make it a six song EP and put uh, Keeping Me Alive on there as well. Well, that's we've differed on every single song though, which is the first time we've done that. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, I I love Straight Into Darkness, but the fact that you picked it uh, and we got it on EP, I mean. I probably would, if I just had to pick three in a vacuum, I probably would go straight into darkness. You got lucky and then maybe the same old you, but I mean, I really like change, uh, change of heart as well. So um, yeah. well, I keep a little soul though. I mean, it's tough. This is a tough one. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm really glad that when you listen back to this album, you kind of rediscovered it, you know, and that's always nice. I've had some comments online and people saying the same thing where they, when they go back and listen to an episode and then they go back and listen to the song, they think, Oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about this song and I kind of like it. So that's kind of a neat thing to be able to throw back and, and look at that. And, and the same thing I listen to an Aerosmith podcast and a Van Halen podcast. And it's the same thing. It's really sort of reignited my love of those two bands because you think, oh, shit, yeah, them, those first couple of albums were great or I'd forgotten about that song, whatever it is. So, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that you uh, really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, that, and that's valuable to me to be able to, you know, add these songs to my, like specifically the same old you and Between Two Worlds to add yeah. those to my uh, playlists and to hear them more regularly now it's just a nice added benefit of this uh of this podcast awesome well we will um i think we'll probably leave it there where can people find you on social media john uh at 444 underscore john on twitter for as long as twitter is around <laughs> uh if we have to pivot to something else i'll let you know but uh that's my primary uh twitter handle there i think we need to we need to establish a tom petty mastodon community no, just just in case. So just in case. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, and people know where to find me. Um, I'll put all my stuff in the episode notes. I'm sick of saying to find me on Twitter and Facebook, so I'm just not going to do it for this episode. But it's all good. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks for listening, folks, and I'll be back uh, next week to talk about the first track from Southern Accents, which is what Rebels. You had it right. It is Rebels. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm not losing my mind. That's it. Well, I am, but excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. We're done. We're out. Awesome. I was looser than I. I was a little confused at the start because you didn't introduce me. So I think in the oh, previous shoot, times yeah. you had. So cold open. That's why I didn't know that we were recording. Like we were talking, you you, did, you jumped right into the uh, album facts, and I was like, well, wait a second, is this the podcast? Or not? <laughs> I'm sure you can make it work. Yeah, well, I'll do a pickup now just in case. I'll see. I'll see where it flows, okay. but I'll, I'll just do it. So, uh, well, <laughs> I didn't even do a welcome to the episode, did I, or anything? So. So welcome to the welcome to the uh, episode wrap for <laughs> it's long after dark. <laughs>